0: Thank you, Steve. You know, uh, for whatever reason you've come here, we're glad you're here. I mean, I seriously mean that. Uh, I look forward to seeing what God will do this year in your life and the rest of your life. If I don't get to see it down here, I'll watch it from somewhere else. But I definitely understand that God's got a plan for each one of you young people that And He loves you and He created you and He's got this plan and He wants you to find it. So we want to help you find it. And this will be one moment or one step in your journey, but it's going to be an important one. So we hope that this year is a fantastic year for you in the light of understanding who God is and then applying that to your life. There's nothing more important to do. Uh, If you've been around me long, you know, I simplify everything. So I can tell you, you need to enjoy God and enjoy the people around you. And if you do that, you'll have a great year. If you want to do some other things, go ahead, but don't miss out on those two. Every year I try and pick a verse that I would ask all the students to focus on, and I would love you to focus on this verse this year. Galatians 2.20 I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That's an incredible verse and an incredible statement made by the Apostle Paul. Whenever I see an incredible statement like this, and yes, I find some statements in the Bible more incredible than others, and this one, I look at it and I think right away, what did what did Paul actually understand that he says this? I want to know that God used Paul in such a significant way, and and you know here I know this. I know that God wants to use each of you in a significant way. So so if you understand what he knew, I mean, take some other guys from the Bible. What did what did David know when he? went after Goliath. And you know, I mean, what, what did he know? It's not rocket science. You know, he he understood God, and he lived like he understood God. He understood God's provision. He understood the plan. Sometimes we disconnect a little bit. We think, well, I'm going to know all about God, and then our lives aren't reflecting that. No, there's a, there's a purpose that God created you. You know, there's a... You, knee, ankle, he uses the body principle for that, that's whatever it might be but there's a purpose and, and, and you need to look for that and if you look for it, you find it from him that's the fun part for me as an old guy I see somebody young start to, to find why God created them. what a wonderful moment as you go through life and you realize God can use me like this he can use me like, wow he made me this way you're not going to see everything the same. I look in the Bible, I see that even the apostles, they struggled with, with putting everything together. Remember, Peter, Jesus was going to go to the cross, and Peter was starting to get that understanding that he was going. And, and Peter was kind of saying, rebuking Jesus. And Jesus called him Satan and said, get behind me, Satan. You know, wait a minute. I'm your buddy, Peter. Yeah, but I came here to do a job. I came here to die on the cross. Don't talk to me about not dying there. When when you look at at what people have gone through that love God, it's not a really good sell. Because the Bible tells us, you love God, you walk with Him, you're going to be persecuted. That's what it says. I remember I was in Arizona and I was talking to a young guy about MDI and he said, why should I go to MDI? And I said, because you need to know God and you need to know how to die to yourself. And that's what we do. And he looked at me very boldly and said, that's not a good sales pitch. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sorry, it's not. But you see, that's what somebody who actually knows God does. They, they live in a manner that reflects who God is and Satan hates that. And so there's a war that ensues. When you look at the Apostle Paul when he says this, I, I went through and I just looked at, at what the Apostle Paul went through in life, and I, and I listed what I could find. So I'm probably missing some. Paul's sufferings. His life was threatened in Damascus, Acts 9. His life was threatened again in Jerusalem, Acts 9. He was persecuted and run out of Antioch in, in Acts 13. He faced possible stoning at Iconium, X14. Remember, this is a guy doing it right. This is a guy doing everything that God wants him to. He was stoned and left for dead at Lystra, X14. He, the, the, he was opposed and made the center of controversy in X 15. He experienced the loss of a close friend and co-worker, Barnabas, X15. He was beat with rods and imprisoned at Philippi, X16. He was cast on a Philippine, Acts 16. His life was threatened in Thessalonica, Acts 17, forced out of Berea, Acts 17, mocked in Athens, Acts 17, taken before judgment seat of court, Act 18. Opposed by silversmiths in Ephesus, Acts 19. Apprehended by the mob in Jerusalem, Acts 21, arrested and detained by the Romans. X 22, barely escaping scores, X 22, rescued from the Sanhedrin mob, action, X 23, assassination plot in Acts 23, two-year imprisonment, Acts 23 to 27, shipwrecked on the island of Malta, Acts 27, suffered snake bites when he got done, Acts 28, and his first Roman imprisonment was in Acts 28. But you look at this and you go, here's a guy that did it right. You know, when I went and calculated how many beatings he took. It was simple calculation. According to to Second Corinthians 11, 24, it said, from the Jews, five times I received 40 strikes minus one. Now, again, they, they would beat people. Forty strikes would be death sentence. So they'd go, 40 strikes would be very dramatic, and then they go, minus, whatever. And these guys were good. They kept you alive 39 stripes meant you were going to stay alive. But he got from the Jews five times 40 stripes minus one, 39 lashes, one beat from death. And he's doing it right. Simple calculations. That's 200 stripes or 200 heads, which is actually 195 that were inflicted. 195 times they beat his back. None of these occasions, actually mention an mentioned in it, Acts, it's possible that he had been whipped in Damascus. And so he mentions it here, but not really in Acts. When I look at uh, what Paul went through, I can't help but think, what did you know that allowed you to go through this and be somebody who wrote Scripture as you did and explained that in order for you to live the way God wanted you to, You need to be crucified with Christ. He knew what crucifixion was. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. I don't live anymore. Now, this year, I hope this verse just eats at you. You keep thinking about it, and you keep wanting to understand the reality of that. I don't think these verses are things you can understand just by reading them once and looking at them and saying, oh yeah, that's academically. No, I, I want you to try and dig into the mind of the Apostle Paul and others in the Bible who did what they should, and when they get persecuted, how they... It didn't throw them. Their, their circumstances in life didn't throw them. They kept pressing on. I think this text forces us to do a couple of things. First, it, it talks... It forces us to look at our standing in the eye of the law. You know, are we crucified with Christ or not? The second thing I think, it talks about our inner life. Are we spiritual men? Are we sensuous men, people? In other words, are we driven by what we know? Are we driven by what we feel? The third, I think it does, it, it talks about how we walk. You see, you and I need to walk by faith. In fact, without faith, it's impossible to please God. But, but yet so often we want to figure out the answers and, and figure out how we're going to do things before we do them so we can trust our figuring. Some of you that said, you know, nothing else worked out. I'm going, amen, good. Why? Don't trust your figuring. Let God do go a work in you. You're here. Make this the, the year that you seek God, that you seek His purposes in your life. Man, this isn't going to happen by accident. It's not going to happen by just being academic. This same Apostle Paul wrote this in 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Rejoice always. <laughs> I just read in you his life. And he says Rejoice always. I mean, honestly, apart from the scriptures and knowing the context of it, you'd think this guy was a madman. Rejoice always. You know why? Because God is actually in charge. I've been asked often, you know, the world that you guys are in right now, that we're all in, that you're growing up in, is a mess. If you haven't noticed, don't watch the news. I'll just tell you it's a mess. It's not going to turn out well for those who remain godless. It can't. Things are going to get hard. And I've been asked often with the ministry and other things, are you, what, are you concerned? Not really, because God's in charge. See, in the end, He wins, and I'm His kid. In the end, He wins, and, and He takes care of His family. So, whatever. I'm going to love Him and do what I should do, and I'm going to keep doing what He asked me to do the best that I can. And as things are taken away, I realize, okay. You might think it's taken away, but nothing's taken away unless God allows it. And in the end, he wins, and I'm still his son. And he'll treat me like his son. You see, without faith, we can't please God. We get to rejoice always. Look at a guy like Job. You know, all that stuff going on. I kept, while I'm reading Job, I always think, you know, tell him what's going on. It would be a whole lot easier. but he didn't. He knew God. He's led it. And all all the stuff that happened to him, he worshiped God. He didn't blame God. I want to know what he knew. I want to know when the whole world falls apart, when everything goes south that I think should go north, when everything is not working the way it should, I want to know what Job knew. And that's hopefully what this year will be for you is a year where you can understand more of who God is, that you seek him, that you rejoice in how he created you, that you look for that path that he wants you on, that you learn that you can rejoice always. I should read the context, Rejoice always. Play, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. This next line really got me as I read this is through the years. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is the will of God. I don't know how many young people tell me I'm looking for the will of God. Well, I could tell you this one. Why? Because it says it. I don't know anything else that's not in the Bible, but I know that. I know that the will of God is for me to know him well enough so that no matter what happens in life, I can rejoice always, always. I can, in all things I give thanks. Why? I just told you, he's my father. In the end, you're going to see, he takes care of his kids. In the end, I win. Yeah, but right now, anyone that's been in a sport at all knows it doesn't count until the final ticks are off the clock. When that happens, you see who the winner is, and I happen to know who wins. I'm one of those weird guys who likes to uh, know the outcome of a game before I watch it. Why? So I can just relax and watch it. I know what the game ends like. And, and that's how life is for me right now. I know how it ends. I'm okay. Whatever you do, you know, I can be okay. Why? Because I know how the thing ends. You know, I remember uh, if, if, if Patterson would play, I wouldn't be home. i asked ask somebody to score. They'd say, oh, they want to go. Okay, yeah, so then I go and I see him playing terrible. I go, doesn't matter. They win. See, in the end, I win. Rejoice always. Philippians 1 20 says, As is, is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. This is Paul saying, you know, whether I live or die, here's the goal. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. If I live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet, which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you. For all your progress in joy and faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come to see you or an absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened by anything your opponents this is clear sign to them that their destruction, of their destruction, but your salvation that is from God. For it has been granted to you that, for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in Him, but also suffer for His sake. Wow! It's been granted. You get the privilege. You get the privilege. Ah, you get the privilege of suffering. The Apostle Paul actually knew what he was talking about. And that's the goal this year. You may not get it. It's okay. Let's work towards getting it. Let's work towards understanding how could somebody say that and mean it. Because he did. And he's right. So now we need to study and find out, God, I want to have that in my life. I want to know you well enough to be able to understand what he means by that and how I apply that. Because those words are right there in the scriptures. There's a couple of things I want to read from Charles Spurgeon. once said, Faith is not a piece of confectionery to be put upon a drawing room table or a garment to be worn on Sundays. It's a working principle to be used in the barn and in the field." in the shop and on the exchange. It is a grace for the housewife and the servant. It is the house of commons. It is for the poorest workshop. I would have the believing cobbler mend shoes religiously and the tailor make garments by faith. And I would have every Christian buy and sell by faith. Whatever your trade may be, faith is taken into your daily calling and that alone is a true living of faith which will bear the practical test you are not to stop at the shop door and take off your coat and say farewell to christianity till i put up the shutters again that's hypocrisy but the genuine life of the christian is the life which is lived in the flesh by the faith in the son of god Live by faith. Satan doesn't like you. There'll be a battle. Galatians two twenty. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith and the son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I hope by the end of the year this is a verse that you grab onto. I invite you to memorize it, to think about it, to talk about it. I hope it's something you can grasp. I don't know that I've grasped it yet, so I'll keep working on it too. When I think I've grasped it, something else happens. I wonder if I've grasped it yet. God is the only reality. He's the one that created us and gives us the reality. We go to Him. And He made us to die to ourselves. He made us to serve. And in that, you become alive. The seed dies, it grows. We die to ourselves, things grow. That's why God made it. And we seem in our culture always go the other way. I had to figure out how to not guide myself and still know God and love Him and have the life that He promises. Can't do it. So I hope you spend time thinking about that verse. And any time you get to the stories, you know, Noah building a boat in the mountain, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego going into a furnace. Think, what did they know? What do I have to know that they knew? Because they had lives that were used in God. It's an incredible moment when you begin to really enjoy the fact that God is doing something with you, and the enemy is trying to destroy you. Close with this story. I um, played uh, football in college, and one of the things I realized is that the more significant you are in that game, the more people run at you and try to knock you down. And that's a principle that's been there all the time. Reggie White, who used to play for the Packers, talked about that because one of his last interviews, they were, he was asked how come, Have he ever got tired of always being double teamed or triple teamed, and at times they showed him with four guys on him out of 11. And he just had this really interesting smile on his face, and he said, no, that means I'm significant. You send four guys after me, and I just smile and say, bring it on. I, you got to send four to tame me. <laughs> See, he was such an incredible presence on in the field that the enemy could not ignore him. That's what the Apostle Paul's talking about. There are those that love God, and they live like they love God. And the enemy goes, I don't like this. And he unleashes. And that's the privilege that the Apostle Paul speaks of. And if you were to ask Reggie White if it was her privilege to play that game, he would have said, yes, but you had these guys running at you the whole time. I know. He wouldn't change a thing. And I think, oh, God, help us understand. We don't run from adversity. We run into it. Only if we know you and we love you and we listen to you. Not if we're just being stubborn. That doesn't make any sense. If we know you, we can be crucified with Christ. It can be about him and not about us. I hope that's what we have this year. I hope we memorize that verse. Maybe I'll ask you halfway through the year and give you extra credit if you did. Maybe not. I might forget too. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, again, thank you that we have this moment, that we have time to spend thinking and preparing and and dreaming about what can come this year. We pray that your spirit will work in each of the lives that are here, and as we open your word and go through the classes, and as we learn more of it, that you will use what we learn to actually affect how we live, and then use our lives in this world the way you intended them to be used. We trust you, and we love you, and we Thankful for such opportunities. We thank you for all these families who have come with their fam with their uh, students. We ask you to keep everybody safe as they spend time together here and travel again a long distance. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.